0: This is Bless You Boys Podcast 116, recorded Friday, June 20th, 2014. Brad Osnes has foot in mouth disease. Thanks for listening and enjoy.
1: Five, two, five.
0: Bless You Boys podcast. We're the editorial staff of blessyouboys.com. SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog covers the past week of Detroit Tigers baseball, whatever else happens to be on our minds. Uh, of course, let's get the uh, introductions out of the way. I am your host, Al Beaton. I'm co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. You can pretty much find me posting something or other every day in the site when it comes to breaking news or recaps. Joining me again this week is uh, he's retired. Well, I wouldn't say retired. He is now, in the off-season of running a little league team, the Red Sox, you know, I can't believe they were the Red Sox, but, you know, he had no choice in the matter. That would be Hookslide, who is now living the life of Jim Leland. So, how's things?
2: Smoking eight packs a day, get through <laughs> my lawn, weed whacking, yelling at kids to put my paper back where it was. It's get a, off
0: your lawn. Get, get
2: off my lawn. It's yeah. horseshit. Give me the food salad. <laughs> 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 oh, yes, yes. And the yeah for, for for as much as uh, i'm enjoying the break um mm-hmm. my, my both of my kids are asking me now if they can play in the fall
1: yeah
2: if they can
0: well uh i'll say this if the tigers are continuing to play this way it's probably a good idea
2: if the tigers are still playing the way they are in september then i will gladly coach both of my kids and all of the neighbors in fall ball this september
0: yes and uh, probably Well, uh, what was your final record this year
2: uh six wins, four losses and one tie.
0: I hey that would be I think that would make that would make the playoffs I think in pretty much every league. So
1: Yeah, yeah. It should.
0: Your uh uh your adventures in managing, uh well, yeah, I I guess I can call you Morris Buttermaker because you may you know, you're doing pretty well here. And, but you don't serve the kids beer, so I would put that a check mark in the bad side, but you know, I'm not a I'm I am not ai i do not have kids. So. Well, I, I, would,
2: I wouldn't rule that out. You don't yeah. know that I don't serve Yeah, them you here, got a point so.
0: there. I haven't seen the game in uh, in person, so maybe.
2: <laughs> well, maybe that's an off-color joke too.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. We, definitely, because we're we're definitely going to talk a little bit about the Brad Osnes and his bad joke, which uh, went over like a lead balloon. But we'll talk about that in a second. So, first off, about the podcast, uh, please, if you want to. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast. You can do so at the usual places. Of course, iTunes is the most popular. Make sure you're looking for the Blog Talk Radio feed. We're also on Stitcher, uh, Stitcher Radio, which is uh, essentially a streaming service. So uh, if it's on a podcast, uh, if it's a downloadable podcast app, you can usually find us, no problem. As always, remember, Blog Talk Radio feed. Uh, If you want to contact us, there's several ways, bybpodcast at gmail.com. BYBTigers at gmail.com. We're on the Twitter, at Bless You Boys, and of course Facebook, Facebook.com slash BYB.Tigers. Uh, just search for us on Facebook. It's the easiest way to do it. Bless you, boys. And of course, we are verified on Facebook in that we have a little blue check mark now. So it's really, really us. It's, you know, it's, we're not, it's no imposters, if you want to put it that way. So, uh, so hook slide. Uh, I guess we should stumble right into the. Hot topic of the week. Yay. Yeah, which was Brad Ausmus and his foot-and-mouth disease. Rookie mistake by the Tigers rookie manager, another one I should say, uh, happened after, a, and admittedly, a bad loss against the Royals on uh, Wednesday. It was their third straight loss to the Royals. They dropped to a, a season-high game-and-a-half back of first place. Obviously, they, the series they, because of the series, they dropped out of first place altogether. And in the um, off-the-cuff comment, trying to be funny, I think sarcastic, I think would be a better way to put it, uh, when asked about the difficulties of losing, Osmus said, when I, said, when I go home, I beat my wife. Uh, obviously, it didn't go over very well. And to Osmus' credit, he immediately realized he said something he never should have come out of his mouth. So less than a minute later, after talking to the media, came back out, apologized for it. Uh, you know, said his family life is fine. It was just a joke, a bad joke at that. But, of course, the firestorm started because the media had to report it. And it immediately broke on Twitter. I believe the first was George Sippel of the Free Press, and that's where I got the news from and obviously posted to our site. Uh, from that point on, it was a firestorm of controversy. Uh, a lot of it was over the top, I think unduly over the top, specifically someone like ESPN's Keith Law, who I really for some reason he seems to have a huge chip on his shoulder about anything Tigers related. Who essentially called well I won't say essentially he did he called Osmus a psychopath on Twitter which was no he did he did yeah I've got
2: the, I've got the tweet right here that he yep. said I can't imagine what kind of psychopath you have to be to even think about joking about beating your wife
0: yeah yeah exactly and uh, and obviously he was asked about it by I believe Tony Paul of the Detroit News and he and uh, law well, as usual he was like well I didn't, I didn't say he was a psychopath. But, you know, playing a semantic game, whatever it is, the key is an asshole. I think we can all agree with that. Regardless, <laughs> uh, others did call for fines, suspensions, action from the league, action from the Tigers. Uh, the next day, Osmus on Thursday morning apologized again in a more formal way, where he also said he was going to uh, get himself involved in some spousal abuse charities. He said he didn't want to publicize it, wasn't going to make a big deal about it. Uh, as for any kind of uh, punishment, uh, MLB and Dave Dombrowski of the Tigers both made announcements saying that they felt Osmus had uh, had showed remorse, had done all the appropriate things, uh, they had discussed the matter, it was handled internally, and no other action would be taken, which I think it seems fairly appropriate considering uh, Osmus was roasted over the pit of uh, social media uh, but, hook slide, I think some of the reaction from fans and in, in media might have been just an excuse to make this a referendum on his coaching ability of running the team, considering the past month has been some god-awful baseball. The Tigers are 10-20 and 20 over the past 30 games. So, I think, yeah, it was a bad thing to say, a stupid thing to say, a rookie manager thing to say, uh, a... And this is the kind of thing where I think if he had said it not in a post-game presser, but maybe, uh, you know, off the record to the media, which happens quite a bit, is part, nothing of this would have came ha- would have really come out the way it did. Instead, it came out as, well, uh, Osmus is this, well, enough said. I pretty much described what people said about Osmus. But I think in the end, Osmos handled this as well as he, once he made the dumb mistake. You know, there's no if he doesn't do doesn't say those that make that awful joke. Not, we don't we're not even talking about this. But regardless of that, since he did, I think he handled it in the best possible manner. Really showed regret, showed remorse, said all the right things. You know, he is a very very smart man who I I think we're seeing at times is making mistakes because he's never ever managed at any level. But in the end, uh, Hooks, I think some of the reaction really was people are mad about the Tigers' play. Um,
2: Maybe. I I don't know how much of that is just, you know like you said an excuse to rip on Osmus you know for the for the Tigers record yeah um but there is something i don't know this this whole thing just kind of like ripped back the the cover on the soft ugly underbelly of you know society i think yeah and that you know i think there's just there's too much of a mob mentality
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know that one person says this was completely unacceptable and everybody jumps on that bandwagon because it's easy it's so easy to get on that bandwagon and say absolutely, you know, horrible, awful, terrible, psychopath. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, what what do you say to uh, Keith Long when he has two black eyes? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You already told him twice. Hey. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: but yeah, but as you said though, there no there was no one made out to be any gray area. It was either no, it was, it was an actual idiot or you're too PC. There was no one between here. Right. And I was a little frustrated with
2: the fact that when I went back and watched the video, you can clearly hear the reporters in the room laughing at each other. Exactly, joke. that's a good point. And, and I pointed that out on Twitter. And I don't I don't mean to throw everybody indiscriminately under the bus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there were reporters in the room that laughed at it, yep. heart heartily laughed at it, yep. and then turned around and wrote headlines that said off-color, inappropriate, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And I said, look, if we're going to make this big of a deal out of a Comment that lasted 60 seconds from the time that he said it to the time that he said I shouldn't have said it. I'm sorry. Yep. Then I want to see those reporters own up to it. I want to see them come out on Twitter and say, Yeah, you know what? I laughed at the joke and I was wrong. I'm I was mistaken in the same way that he was mistaken, and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to happen. And the other thing is, like, why would you? Why would you even make that a headline? Yeah. You know, it's one thing if you get to, you know an actual. I don't know, uh, who's who's the guy that's all Sterling, right? You know, who's in trouble? Yeah, for, Donald you know, the,
0: Sterling of the NBA, yeah.
2: Right. If you have a legitimate problem with somebody making, you know, racist comments or, you know, inappropriate comments like that and they're sticking by them or whatever, then fine, you know, expose it. But the guy, Austin said this, he caught it immediately. It should have been. It's not related to Tigers baseball in any way. How that became a headline to me is just going, well, you just need something to kind of stir up the controversy then. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I kind of said on Twitter, too, <laughs> here, here's kind of my, my, my approach to it, saying, yeah, I was so upset with Brad's comment that I went and listened to, you know, a Bill Cosby routine about beating his children to make yeah. himself feel better. Context is everything, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. How is it that, that when Brad Osmus makes an off-the-cuff, you know, quip like that and then immediately says, whoops, yeah, maybe not, you know, yeah. in best taste, sorry. No, we're going to still pile on. But when a comedian gets up on stage and says way more offensive stuff, we pay them money and laugh our asses off. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, look at some of the
2: stuff that Louis C.K., for example. Exactly, who was just recently crowned the king of comedy by GQ magazine. Yeah, exactly. Talks about his grandmother raping his other grandmother. Yeah. You know, way more offensive, and we love it, and we love it. So it's like, come on, the high horse game just does not appeal to me. The double standards don't appeal to me. I'm not saying that it was a good comment, you know, that he made or that it was funny, although the reporters seem to think it was funny. I'm saying really are we going to pile on now? I mean that's 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 ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And even, even Optimus um after the fact, uh, you know, after the Tigers won on Thursday, he even admitted that the previous 24 hours had been absolutely miserable for him. So well, right, because he went home and his wife kicked his ass. Yeah. <laughs> See, spousal abuse is funny when yes, it's yeah, the
1: around. There you, you know?
0: go.
2: But, yeah, it's all no, and said, that it's
0: is, all in context,
2: as you say. It's all in context. And yeah. if you're going to make a spousal abuse joke, you better make yourself the butt end of that joke, because that's okay. Yeah. he yeah.
1: yeah,
0: will yeah. learn. he will yeah. learn. Yeah. And, no, there's really else to show you also, hook Slide, is that, you know, this Jim Leland never, ever, <laughs> He found himself in any kind of situation remotely close to this, and I do think oh, I'm, you know, and knowing, you know, he's, you know, with Jim Leland, 69 years old, you have to think that exactly. he made the he made the point. He if he did things like this, you had to believe that it was only when he was off the record, never with a microphone in his face.
2: It's it's incredible to me that he never made that kind of a slip, like you said, because he comes from a different generation, yeah, exactly, different time, a much more um, what's the word uh, unpolished gruff blunt to the point yep. you know that kind of thing he was the one that made the the verbal slip uh you know and then the one game last year saying uh, who was it somebody uh, when uh Miguel Cabrera got thrown at
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know he said well someone's going to pay for that you know yep. and Miguel yeah. said, oh you, And he, that
0: was rare when he ever said would say something like that very very But rare. he would yeah. you know he would, yeah. he would Spout it off and say I'm not going to talk about
2: that. You <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing that he never got into this kind of trouble. How do you How do you figure?
1: Uh, this
0: just goes to show how skillful of a manager he really was because he knew how to navigate the minefields that he would have to deal with. when it comes to the media, it becomes to you know working with the team, working with players, and it really you know he's they're called managers for a reason because they are managing so many things and they're juggling so many balls in the air. And say what you will about Jim Leland as an X's and O's guy. When it came to actually everything else involved with running a team, I don't think there was anybody better. And I think we just saw the saw that over the past few days at Brad Ausmus with some of the mistakes he's made. Uh, you know, I mean, you could argue about the uh, being talked out of supposedly taking by Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer talking him out of pulling them from games to the uh, to this incident to. Uh, where he, I, I think, kind of played a part in Nick Castellanos being thrown under the bus in Cleveland a month ago. Uh, we're seeing a few uh, Brad Ausmus that uh, that really is, is has yet to learn how to navigate those same waters. Uh, you know, and I'm not advocating for getting rid of Brad Ausmus Brad or firing Brad Osmus or punishing Brad Osmus. It's just something we have to accept that rookie managers make mistakes, and this was a huge one.
2: And he'll move past it. Exactly, I mean, he's a very, all, very smart man. Exactly, we all know his pedigree. We know he's got you know better stuff than this, you know, so to speak. And I, I have to imagine that first of all, it was a stupid ass question to ask in the first place. Yeah, you know, how do you handle this at home? Mm-hmm. I, I have to imagine that Jim Leland would have given a big f you to that question and said, "Next question, let's move on." Mm-hmm. So maybe Brad will learn how to how to handle it. That
0: no, way and and the other thing I'm wondering if there were any women. In the, in the post-game presser because Catherine of our um, of our own site, Bless You Boys, is, takes part in those post-game trumps. And she was not there that day. So I got to wonder if, if the crowd made a difference in, as to how it came off. Maybe it was an entirely well, all-male uh, all male um,
2: audience that day. Yeah, I mean, I will say this. In the, in the group that I heard laughing at the comment, I didn't hear any women exactly. voices. So I mean, yeah. maybe, I don't, I don't know who else is in there, but... Yeah.
0: Yeah, for, and for those out there, if you ever hear Brad Ausmus's post-game press conference and you, you hear kind of a uh, a very young sounding female voice asking a question, that's Catherine. So, it's,
2: <laughs> so stand up and clap.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right, let's move on from this. And well, I got to ask you a question, uh, Slide. What is this thing called second place? I'm I'm kind of unfamiliar with the term.
2: Well. That's a thing that you end up uh, in this position when you play bad baseball for a long period of time. And it has to go hand-in-hand with other teams uh, strangely playing good baseball. And uh, this is the thing that you end up – you know, I don't really know either. I'm, I'm reading this from a book, so
0: <laughs> it sounds like this is how you would talk to your team in Little League. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you guys are bad. <laughs> Other guys
2: are good.
1: That's
0: what's happening? <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, as, as we're recording this um, on Friday, the uh, 20th, uh, a few hours before the Tigers uh, start a three-game series in Cleveland, uh, essentially this slide started a month ago in Cleveland. Uh, that slide into second place, which uh, finally what happened uh, this week and during the series with the Royals, started a month ago uh, in Cleveland when the Tribe were nine and a half games out of first place. Uh, they proceeded to sweep the Tigers. The Tigers returned four weeks later. Uh, even though the Cleveland hasn't played that well, I think at the time when they swept the Tigers, they were three games under. They're now like uh, I think uh, one game under or over. The right about, they've been hovering around five hundred this entire time. There's only two games back of Detroit and two and a half behind KC in third place, so it really goes to show how much things have changed in just one month. And you, you know, as much as you uh, you would like to say, yeah, they 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 managed to avoid a sweep against Kansas City and things could be worse. And Joe Nathan looked a lot better and Annabelle Sanchez is a stopper. It's way too early to talk about turning points or. if this this series against Cleveland is going to be a a must-win or bad things happen if they don't take the series. But it it, it is something how much things have changed in just 30 days, or I should say 30 games, because as I said earlier, the Tigers are 10 and 20.
2: Yeah, like you said, turning points, you know.
0: Um, Mm
2: -hmm. One thing that I'll I'll, I'll look this up as we continue this podcast, but uh, the thought occurred to me the other day, that we've been measuring uh the performance of the Tigers since I think May 19th is when the slide started yep. with Cleveland mm-hmm. and when you measure it from that point forward the stats don't look good yep the the winning and losing percentages don't look good the team ERA the team you know slugging percent nothing looks really good from that point on yeah um and i the, the thought occurred to me the other day that it's never going to yeah because that was a really particularly nasty slide that uh, you know, if that is your starting point for the reference point, it, it's never going to look good. Um, so you almost have to kind of move past that, if if that makes sense, and say, um, you know, well, how do they look since the start of June?
0: Did, does that kind of make sense what I'm saying? Well, like, yeah, because in some ways you could just say, yeah, it's an arbitrary cutoff because we could it you, is we could make that cutoff six games earlier, and the Tigers had that six-game winning streak.
2: Right. Right, so if you start you know like say you know it's seven games, uh you know prior to where we are, what does that make Because one, two, three, there's uh so that was Minnesota, right, you know, so you yeah. know like looking at from from the Minnesota series on they're three and four,
1: yeah
2: that's that's not as bad as you know this this you know three hundred winning percentage that they've got going on <laughs> right now yeah, so you almost I guess what I'm advocating here is saying maybe you kind of have to look at that first week in Cleveland and who do they play after that it was uh.
0: Texas, I think, because they went yeah, yeah, right for that. Texas and then they went down the West Coast trip.
2: Right. And they went like one and six for that. You almost have to kinda of like say, Okay, that was just the that was the anomaly. Yeah. Cut that out. That was gonna bring them back down to a more reasonable win percentage anyway, because Lord knows they weren't gonna keep up that six ninety two win rate.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know. So you almost have to kind of just cut that out you know and say let's let's start looking beyond that and say now are they are they starting to get back into that more of the the push and pull win a couple lose a couple win a couple lose a couple pattern yeah. and i'm i'm hopeful that that's the case
0: yeah and that's the other thing you brought up is that for almost that full month uh, the tigers went a long part of that without even winning two games in a row which is really really odd and you know there's, it's been some Weird stretches of baseball, you know, with the uh, win one, lose one, win one, lose five, you know. Yeah, they still haven't won three in a row, have they? No, they haven't. the last time that, they won three in a row was uh, that
2: six-game winning streak. Right. So that that's a little bit strange, and I have to believe that that's going to come back, too. But I guess, you know, if we're looking for them to return to that, you know, 690 style of winning where they're just blowing away everybody and had, you know, six-game winning streaks, that might not happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a, or they need guys who have completely disappeared over the past month to start hitting again, uh, you know, or or the replacements to continue to hit. And we'll get into that a little later in the podcast, but yeah, it's been um, it, it, it's not been pleasant to say the very least. And now you got to be wondering if we're starting to see a little panic, just because, uh, for example, during a, I think it was during that two one loss, Lynn Henning went nuts tweeting, essentially advocating a fire sale. <laughs> uh, he, you know, where he advocated the trading of Ian Kinsler sometime this year by the deadline. Uh well this is a tweet in question. He goes, Make a Suarez your twenty fifteen double play combo. Deal Kinsler for bullpen or outfield help. Prepare McCann uh their uh, uh they're they're highly thought of uh, James McCann.
1: Ha- James
0: McCann, yeah, they're highly thought of uh, catching prospect for full time catching. Um uh, and this is in the middle of a game that the Tigers are losing that really came off as a, a kind of an extreme overreaction. But then again, we see that uh, when we're running the, the Tigers, uh, the Bless You Boys Twitter during Tigers games, we see that kind of reaction all the time. So, but when you see writers starting to get into it, you got to wonder if there's a little bit of an outsized panic going on. Because yes, this is disturbing. Yes, this has not been uh, – we haven't seen some good baseball for almost a month now. We're about four a month now, I should say. But I still can't see this team be in so much trouble where they need to start being sellers at the deadline, I, especially in their division. I think that's just dumb. That's
2: that's a major panic is what that is. And he he later, or maybe it was earlier, mm-hmm. t- uh, Lynn Henning, I'm talking about, tweeted it uh, You know, at some point and said – it was actually a stronger statement, this this tweet, when he said the Tigers can, parentheses, must trade
0: Kinsler at some yes. point. Yeah, you're right. There was a must in there. Yeah. Why? It, why uh, is it a
2: must? Why would you do that? I, I, I should have looked at the contract details. How much longer is Kinsler on with Detroit?
0: I believe another four or so years. That's the question, yeah. because essentially the Tigers would have to do the same thing all over again taking a bad contract on the, the, the deal Kinsler, and they would probably have to eat some of Kinsler's money.
2: Right, and I'm not convinced, you know, with as much as he's been scuffling lately, I'm not convinced that he's someone that you have to jettison at this point. Yeah. Um,
1: it,
2: you know, and I guess maybe if you're approaching the problem, and I'm, I'm going to give Lynn the benefit of the doubt and say maybe he was looking at it from a different angle and saying how do we keep Suarez and Iglesias, yeah. you know, in the same team at the same time. And that that's a very tricky question because you're yeah. going to have to, Kick somebody somewhere. You know, you have to have to put uh, Caspiano's out of a job or move him into the
0: outfield. Or, or something. Yeah, another suggestion I've seen is move Kinsler to the outfield.
2: Well, yeah, you know, hell, why not? Let's put Mickey yeah. in the outfield. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: just... but, and I just looked up the contract details. He's uh, under contract for three years, 4 year of team option. So essentially, the Tigers have him for three more years, at approximately forty some million bucks. Okay. Which is which well. doesn't sound quite so bad now. No, I mean, I, again, I assume
2: that the the approach on this is not Kinsler sucks. We have to find a way to get rid of him yeah. so much as Iglesias is coming back. We know we want to hang on to him. Suarez has been doing a fantastic job. We probably want to hang on to him. So how do we put all these guys in the same infield? Right. And, you know, maybe for Lynn, the answer is, well, get rid of Kinsler, free up the money, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, but like you said, I'm just, I don't understand the mentality. It says we're in a position to be, fire sailing, I guess, if that's the
0: term. Yeah, especially. It's still June, and we're, we're still a good three, yeah, I'd say about three weeks away from the All-Star break, uh, the halfway point, and for all we know, the Tigers should go on a nice little winning streak and actually you know, look, look a little, at least a little like the team we saw at the start of the season, uh, because they're still on track to win 87 games.
2: At least, yeah. At least, and that's just given the current slide. Yeah. You know, those projections. Wait till they start winning
1: mm-hmm. a
2: few more, and you kind of turn around and say, "Look, they're back on a streak again." Mm-hmm. And I think that's coming. Um, but you just reminded me. Um, I was able to meet up with with a couple of uh, gentlemen who actually contribute to bless you boys. You know, members of the community. Uh, they were in town for the uh, minor league uh, All Star game, which mm-hmm. the White Caps hosted this year at Fifth Third Park. So anyway. Um, in chatting with these fine gentlemen, they made me aware of a book by Earl Weaver that I didn't know existed.
1: Yeah.
2: Earl Weaver's Strategy. hmm So I've been reading this and just enjoying it thoroughly. I thought it
0: would be like three – I thought it would be just very short. One page that said, <laughs> three run home runs.
2: <laughs> there is an entire chapter about the three-run homer, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> and an entire chapter about how much he hates bunting. Yeah. So yes. it's, it's been a fun read. But one thing he does say is – um you know, he has these little laws, Earl Weaver's first law, second law, third law. But one of them is nobody gives a damn in July if you lost a game in March. Yeah. And I looked at that and I thought, that's probably applicable to June as well. Yeah. Nobody gives a damn in July how many games you lost in June.
0: Yeah. You know, and and, and to give Brad Osmond a little shout out there, he pretty much said the same thing a couple days ago, saying when the Tigers actually fell out of first place. And he said, I really don't care if we're in second place until the end of the season. You know, he said, right. not saying, essentially, it doesn't make any difference right now. we got to wait till the end of the season to see how this all plays out.
2: Right. And this team is too good mm-hmm. to continue on this kind of, you know, funk, this kind of slide. So when they do, inevitably, they'll hit a hot streak, just like Cleveland hit a hot streak, just like the Royals hit a hot streak. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll hit another one, and we'll all be... You know, no one's going to remember what the heck happened at the end of May.
0: Yeah, and didn't it seem like uh, watching the Royals th- uh, this past week that they were getting a lot of the same kind of breaks the Tigers did when they got off of their hard start from RBI singles that bounce off of second base to uh, the Tigers, like... Uh, some of the tigers not getting any sort of bounce their way wild pitches uh, that bounced really, right exactly, back exactly there was nothing going wrong for Kansas City even bad things turned out to be good things like i said that wild pitch that bounced right back to the catcher how do you explain that i mean yeah. even even the guys on the radio
2: jim price has you know been Talking nothing, nothing about nothing but Mm. baseball gods is what he's been talking about all week long, and just saying I can't even explain it. I can't explain how nothing is going wrong for this Mm -hmm. Kansas City club and nothing is breaking the Tigers' way. It's been a cool little phenomenon to watch. I'm not going to lie; I don't like seeing Kansas City sweep into first place, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's fascinating, you know, just to watch that and say how much of this do you think is real? Yeah. Is this offense really? I mean, for real? Some people are pointing to the fact that they got a new hitting coach, and as soon as they did that, bam! You know, suddenly they're they're an offensive juggernaut when they were when they were at the bottom of every offensive stat, you know, mm-hmm. from the beginning of the season on through May. Maybe they turned something around. Maybe they're just catching all the breaks, but. To me, this feels like a like a fluky little streak, and I'm yeah. not entirely totally sure they're going to hold on to it.
0: Yeah, because remember, well, a little more than a month ago, if you went if you visited SB Nation's uh, Royals site, Royals Review, they wanted uh, Ned Yost's head on a pike. I mean, they yes. wanted that guy yes. fired. Absolutely, you know. Yep. And now they're in first place. That you know, again, weird baseball stuff, but. That that what the biggest example of that of the luck going in different directions was in that game where I described uh, one of the a, uh, Royals win two, one. one of the runs are driven in by a ten hopper that hits second base and then in a couple of innings later Victor Martinez tries to beat the shift with a perfect bunt that rolls foul by about an inch and just misses hitting the bag and it really was the two teams past few weeks in a nutshell. Nothing the, going wrong for the yeah. Tigers. Everything going right for for Kansas City. And you can't stop that.
2: Yeah, that, that's not something that you can fix with mechanical changes you or. You stop playing. it by
0: getting the performance like Animal Sanchez gave you gave you yes. on Thursday. That's how yes.
2: you do it. Yes, and that's that is the difficulty when you have all that kind of bad luck stuff mixed in with legitimate bad baseball.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: maybe that's too strong a term. I'm talking more about you know what's wrong with Verlander, what's wrong with Scherzer, where they're going out there getting rocked, and it's unlike them to do that. What's wrong with Joe Nathan? He's supposed to be a lights-out closer. You mix in all of that with the bad luck, and this is what you get. It's a Mm -hmm. wicked slide, and it can't last.
0: Yeah. And I think we're starting to see at least a little bit of that start to change. I mean, Annabelle Sanchez has been absolutely lights-out during this slide. He's saw, I think, 4-0 since he came off the disabled list, and... uh, his ERA is something you know it's under two. Yet somehow he's lost. He's been he's earned no three no decisions all games the Tigers ended up losing despite him having an ERA under two. That just kind of shows just how weird it is. But then again, like we're saying, Sanchez won yesterday, and the Tigers had four hits. So go figure. Go figure. figure. You know. So it's uh, And I know
2: that does, that doesn't like necessarily make the fan base feel confident. Yeah. <laughs> you know when you go, okay we finally won a game, but it wasn't exactly a dominant performance. You know, by the mm. team, you know, we 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 won this game somehow on four hits. You know, and yep. essentially, what was a masterpiece, you know, pitching performance, right? Uh, and the bullpen came through. Yep. You got to have at least those two components. You know, I talked about that last week. You got the, the two parts of the triangle. You got to have at least two working for you.
0: Yeah, because this slide wouldn't look nearly as bad if Joe Nathan was Joe Nathan. Because there, there's a I'd say about what about three or four games that might have turned out differently. So
2: well, just looking
0: at his. You know, blown
2: state, blown saves. Yeah, the number of blown saves that would have been wins if he hadn't blown so, them. Yeah, you could say that's that's an accurate statement.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And still, there's people calling for the Tigers need to do something radical. Need to blow something up. Need to make a scape, give us a scapegoat. Let's fire Jeff Jones or something. Let's fire Wally Joyner. Well, obviously, it uh, worked for the Royals. Yeah, <laughs> they our, changed hitting coaches and now they're unsuitable. Yeah. Un- un- yeah, uh, you know, maybe they they want someone benched, they want someone DFA'd. I mean, we're seeing ridiculous stuff like, uh, let's send Justin Verlander to Toledo, you know, stuff that actually <laughs> is impossible to do because the CBA doesn't allow you to do that unless you want to owe Justin Verlander $200 million and him be a free agent. So, you know, we'll talk a little about that. But maybe there are a couple things they could do, which would be maybe shaking up the lineup a little bit. For example, for all the... Uh, for all the uh, casual fan yelling about Alex Avila, he has a he has the third best on base percentage in the team. Maybe you should move him up in the order. And for that matter, Tory Hunter is essentially useless right now. Maybe he should be completely and utterly benched and become the uh, fourth outfielder. You know, because J.D. Martinez is playing so well, you cannot take him out of lineup right now. Maybe something like that will happen, but. Uh, I think things would have to get even a little. I, don't, I, I tell you this: I don't see anybody getting fired. I do see maybe a lineup change or two.
2: Nothing wrong with mixing up the lineup. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the stats are going to change, trends are going to appear and disappear. Um, you know, and again, like I said, I've been I've been really heavy in, into reading Earl Weaver, and some of the stuff he says is kind of interesting in that respect. And he kind of takes the same approach. Says really, the first three guys in your lineup, people tend to put the you know. Mm-hmm. Guys who can bunt up there, or people who can run, but you really you want your top three on base percentage guys. Exactly, and that's in a the, very sabermetric way of looking at it. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I'm discovering that Earl Weaver was way into sabermetrics long before it ever became a, you know, a popular yeah. thing to do. You know, and so when you look at that, uh, it's still at least among qualified matters in the Tigers lineup. Avila is still number three on the uh, yeah. on base percentage list Suarez is, is up there he doesn't qualify because of the number of at bats but yeah i i would you know consider putting Avila in the top 3 you know or top 2 rather before you bring Miggy and you know Vamar to the plate push right. uh, Kinsler and Hunter who can't take a walk to save their lives
0: yeah
2: you know get them down
0: yeah cuz Kinsler's uh on base percentage is down under 320 he's like 319 right now yeah. and yeah. Uh, Austin Jackson is at around the same rate and Tory Hunter he's been under 300 On-base percentage for most of the past month. So, uh, yeah, I could understand uh, a shake-up at the top of the order, but then, uh, but you know, it's interesting because Brad Austin was complaining about a lack of punch from the bottom of the order, and we're talking about moving guys up. So, I don't know where where we stand right now. So, uh, is there? I don't know why why you would say
2: that though, because there doesn't seem to be a defined mm -hmm. uh, bottom of the order, so to speak. Yeah. Because like Roger Davis will be batting ninth one day, but he'll be batting first the next day.
0: Yeah. Other than but, Suarez and uh, I think Castellanos have pretty much been the only guys who have been consistently stuck at the bottom of the order. And I think that's and, just more to keep pressure off of them.
1: And they've been doing all right, haven't they?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially Castellanos, since he woke out of he had a brutal slump himself, but he's now playing like he did in the first few weeks of the season.
2: Yeah, so I'm not sure why you would say you're not getting punched from the bottom, but I, I didn't hear the
0: quote, so I don't know. Yeah, well, th- this was a couple weeks ago, actually. Okay. And, yeah, and, and for that matter, though, Suarez, for his hot start, he's cooled off, too. You know, the last yeah. the last three games of the Kansas City series, he really didn't do much anything. I think he went hitless.
2: So yeah, he, he put his uh, batting average below three hundred, shock yeah. and horror. But uh, you know what? He's still getting on base. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I I don't know what's to become of Suarez. You know, time will tell. Yeah. What kind of a what kind of a you know major league hitter he really is, but I still stand by what I said earlier that he's he's got patience at the plate.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He will take pitches. I think he will take walks. He will get on base even if he doesn't turn into you know favors or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think he's. You're you're seeing the. Um, at the very least, he, he's much more of a threat than uh, Danny Werfer or Andrew Romine ever could think of being. And so it's. Uh, uh, but but again, he is uh, yeah. I just brought up his numbers. Uh, he was uh, one for the series against Kansas City, so wow. he has definitely cooled off. But that's going to happen. It's going to happen to rookies. They as as pitchers adjust to him, he's got to adjust back. As we've seen what's happened with Nick Castellanos, who all of a sudden realized, boy, being patient at the plate's a good thing, and it, it, which uh, his walk rate has changed considerably. Yeah, and like you said,
2: he, he's going through a little bit of a slump here right now, but then it mm-hmm. seems, too, that some of the other guys are are also going through that same, it, again, these these streaks that they come and they go and they yeah. come and they go. Jackson was on a horrible streak, and he seems to be, you know, snapping mm-hmm. out of that a little bit, um, while well, in the meantime, I, again, without looking at the numbers, I know mm-hmm. I'm doing the stupid eye test thing here, but it seems like the last several times that Miggy's come to the plate in clutch situations with runners in scoring position, he's either struck out or ground out in the double plays or whatever.
0: Well yeah and that and just to throw it out there, I remember this because I did the recap yesterday, uh Cabrera was two for thirteen in the series. But he walked okay, three times go. which kept his uh on base percentage up. But he yeah, okay. you're right, he didn't hit the ball hard at all in that series. Right. So you're gonna get those, you
2: know, weird weird fluky things. So I'm not, not too worried about what Suarez is going through right now any more than you know, to say what Miggy is going through. No, I'm not comparing the two of them. I'm just <laughs> saying, streak. It's the, yeah,
0: it's the ebbs and flows of a baseball season.
2: Yeah, and yeah. I really would not mind seeing Suarez higher in the order and Avila even higher yeah. in the order. I know the like, guy can't run, but you <laughs> know, I, I would just love to see that the next time Miggy or V-Martin do uncork a home run, I'd like to see at least one guy on base.
0: Yeah, that, that's again that goes to show you because Torrey Hunter and his 290 on-base percentage isn't getting on base. Uh, that's because he's got like a three percent walk rate. Yeah, that is that's the other thing is that he just uh he's he wants to hit five run home runs every at bat before he got hurt. <laughs>
2: swing, Tory. swing, uh,
0: but, swing away, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of home runs, his replacement is hitting lots of home runs. JD Martinez has been on an absolute tear giving the Tigers offense from the position corner outfield that they haven't really been getting from anybody, you know, because Rajai Davis is essentially a regress back to the mean when he's facing right-handed hitting, pitching, I should say. Uh, His numbers have been awful in June, and we've obviously been going on and on about Torrey Hunter, but Martinez had a monster series against Kansas City. Uh, He hit .500, 7-14, four home runs, uh, i say three home runs in that series, and six RBIs. He has four home runs on the I think five on the season. Uh, and right now he's hitting three hundred and slugging five seventy. This you know, in post game when it was brought up that Torrey Hunter was likely going to be deemed healthy enough to play by the weekend, and Osmus was asked, Well what about J D. Martinez? And he says we have to find a way to keep his bat in the lineup. Yeah. And if uh, that was pretty much a no brainer of a statement as there ever was. The thing is, I think if you keep, if you want to uh, keep him in the lineup, I think you keep Tory Hunter out of the lineup until he proves he's out of the slump.
2: There's very little reason at this point, I'll yeah. you know, qualify that, at this point in the season with the performance he's given. There's very little reason to keep him in the lineup. Yeah. You, you can't say, well, we've got to keep him out there for his defense. I mean, really?
0: Yeah, you we're know. seeing Martinez is making plays. I don't think Hunter
2: would right now. right. Not, not that I think you know Martinez is a, an elite defender. Or anything, exactly, but,
0: but uh, that's just going to show how time.
2: bad Hunter is as a defender right now. Exactly. So you can't say we keep him in the lineup because he gives us the glove option. And at this point, you can't really say we'll keep Hunter in the lineup because he's you know smoking it with the bat right now. He's yeah. not really. So why not take him out? Yeah. Let, let Martinez ride, you know, the whatever. He's, I mean, he's turning out to be a nice little option out there. It kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it, what, why the Astros let him go?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's not like Martinez is like a Brennan Bosch type who really wasn't thought of a, as a, a, a top prospect. This is a guy who had the pedigree of being thought of as a pretty darn good prospect when he was an Astro, but, you know, it just didn't click for him. Uh, over the, uh, the I think the year and a half or so we spent in the big leagues with uh, with Houston, but it could be one of those things where maybe he was rushed, maybe uh, Detroit's a better fit, maybe they're using him more correctly. But uh, he obviously he, Martinez is not going to continue to hit like he is, but I do think he is a definite guy you want to keep around as you know uh, either play him in a platoon role or keep him as power off the bench because. The Tigers have absolutely no power coming off the bench if Martinez isn't on it. So uh, this is one of those things where I think you just got to ride the hot horse as long as she allows you to. I know, as
2: much as I hate that mentality. Yeah. You know, but
0: right. Considering the options, you know, the other option is Tory Hunter or Don Kelly.
2: Right. Now if, if Tory Hunter were a consistently good player this year, I would yeah. say don't ride the hot hand, that's stupid. Right. Mm-hmm. Put Hunter back in there. But like I said, there's no reason to put Hunter in the lineup at this point. Yeah, it's other than to keep him fresh, so to speak. You know, you don't want to sit him for eight days or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, let's move Hunter to the bullpen. There you yeah. go. There
0: you go. All right. Well, that's all, well. That just happens to be on the on the outline here. So, oh, the Tigers have made some moves in the bullpen. Out uh, first off, they announced that uh, Luke Buchanen, who was supposed to be essentially the long man out of the bullpen this year, had elbow surgery. He's out indefinitely. Uh, at least he didn't need Tommy John, but he, there's, there was uh, I believe a bone spur in his right pitching elbow that needed to be smoothed out, taken care of. So I, I would not anticipate the Tigers get much of anything from Luke Bucconin. Not that he really should, but he had a role that the Tigers have completely been unable to fill. Uh, they've tried it with Band-Aids. Corey Kniebel was sent down. Evan Reed was sent down. Uh, the Tigers have been scrambling to find guys who can do that, that sixth, seventh inning role uh, even more so because what we'll be seeing from Birdlander uh, and uh, uh, Scherzer as of late, who have been unable to get past the fifth inning. Uh, the latest band-aids to call up are Blaine Hardy and Chad Smith. And, you know, Chad jury's, Smith. yeah, jury's because, still out. Because John Del wasn't available. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so they found Chad Smith. Yeah. <laughs> are you kidding?
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I think the real question is, Slide, so if no one would really fix the bullpen is if Joe Nathan finds form
2: that would be a huge boost.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think
2: we said something very similar to that in last week's podcast. You know, the ultimately getting Joe Nathan back to being Joe Nathan's a huge, huge shot for the Tigers. You got to have that guy that can close out the games or at least, you know, not to (laughs) Mm -hmm. lose them for us in the ninth inning. And I understand you want to be able to, uh, the perfect formula is to have your starter, you know, your Verlanders, your Scherzers go Mm -hmm. seven innings. Right and then just simply roll it over and go Chamberlain in the eighth, Nathan in the ninth, lock it down. There we go.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But like you said, they don't have a whole lot of options when that formula doesn't pan out. When when Drew Smiley has a bad game or Rick Porcello gets knocked out in the fifth mm-hmm. inning, who do you go to to kind of keep things close, you know, and eat those yep. innings? And they just don't have – do you remember there was a guy on the team a while back? His name was Ronda, Rondon? Bruce? Yeah. Bruce Rondon.
1: Bruce
0: right? Rondon. Remember, remember no, and I think uh, – we, we when we brought that up on the podcast, we, I think we were saying that that would be the that was actually the, the injury that would hurt the Tigers the most this year, more so than Jose Iglesias. I think that's proven out. It sure has.
2: It sure has. I can't imagine what uh, how would things look if you had a healthy Bruce Rondon in the bullpen right now.
0: Yeah, you had him in the seventh or eighth inning, or and but you you essentially would have your seventh and eighth innings locked down with him and Jabba Chamberlain. You have no problem at right. all.
2: Right, and if you don't need a seventh, if you're just playing eighth and ninth, I yeah. you know, think you have an option of, of resting Chamberlain one day and throwing Rondon in there or or yeah. even resting Nathan on a day and throwing any one of those other right. guys into the closing role because they could all do it, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it, it's a shame that that happened, and I, I think in some ways people try to just kind of gloss over it, but that injury has really – it shook the it shook the bullpen to the core, and the, along with the struggles of Joe Nathan, even and that, his performance on Thursday pretty much came out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, no one expected him to strike out the side, considering the struggles he had gone through over the past uh, seven or eight games, where he was allowing runs and base runners and walk. He wasn't missing bats at all. Uh, I just brought it up here, where he had struck out one batter in his previous, I think, uh, six outings. Then he strikes out uh, three uh, yesterday. And he did say the Tigers, you know, he had been working with Jeff Jones, and he thinks he saw a mechanical issue that his arm slot had changed. And this was his first outing since he discovered it. And
2: that's interesting that we didn't hear anything about that, Mm -hmm. I I think, prior to – to him coming out and saying, yeah, actually, we did find a mechanical flaw or whatever, and we worked on that. I'm surprised that there wasn't some kind of announcement of that, you know, in, in some interview somewhere before that. But that that, uh, that ninth inning yesterday was a revelation. I mean, you should have yeah. heard Dan Dickerson. You'd think he had just mm-hmm. seen Jesus in the flesh. <laughs> the way he was screaming, you know, strike three. Um, but if, if Joe Nathan can look like that, yeah. and this is the thing. If that were a rookie that came out there and did that, you had to be careful.
1: Yeah,
2: You, you say he had a good inning. You know, let's not get our hopes up. Mm-hmm. In the case of Joe Nathan, he comes out there and does that. You say we've seen him do that year after year yeah. after year. Mm-hmm. That might be the the real Joe Nathan, and that's a nice thing to be able to say.
0: Yeah, if that would change, I think the mood of the fan base considerably if they knew if this was if Joe Nathan has got himself figured out and he's back to being, you know, Capital J Joe Nathan. And with the way Chamberlain's been pitching, all of a sudden you have a lockdown back into the bullpen. Obviously, the jury's still a long ways from being um, having a judgment on this. But at the very least, yesterday was a refreshing, refreshing sign because I think everybody was expecting the absolute worst in a one-run game, a 2-1 game that annibal Sanchez had was just absolutely lights out in. So...
2: That's, I was. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I mean, with with the performances that Joe Nathan's given over the last several outings, and knowing that he's coming up in a one-run game with the heart of the Royals yeah. lineup, yeah the other thing, right? You know, you go, yeah, this doesn't. I don't, I don't care how much of a diehard trusting fan you are that does not look like a good situation, so I was very pleasantly surprised, and I think I just saw Jesus you know, when he struck out the side. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Do that do that a lot more. Miss bats. It really shows to show you, yeah, you miss bats, Good things happen. you know And, and no, he you. Had that, it had been amazing how he was so unable to put guys away over the past, uh, over the past couple of weeks. he could not put a guy away, and that changed yesterday.
2: He could, like I said, he wasn't missing the bats. Yeah. You know, and it was in, you know, maybe uh, aiming rather than pitching. Yeah. You know, and so he was giving up a lot of walks in the process. And so, yeah, it's just to see him throwing strikes, to see batters getting fooled on cold strikes, to see him missing
0: bats,
1: yeah.
2: holy cow, that's, yeah. that's the guy we signed.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, there was a little bit of bad luck involved in there. But the thing is, when you don't miss bats, stuff like infield hits and balls that find the hole happen. When you when you pitch yes. like he did yesterday, all of a sudden you take that luck matter right out the window. So bingo, yeah. bingo.
2: When you're not missing bats, you introduce luck, yeah. and now you're at the, the mercy of the dice.
0: Exactly. Speaking of, um, well, I don't know how to put this. I'm trying to think of a segue, but other than that, he's been pretty bad as well, and that's I'll give you a segue. Perfect.
2: Yeah, go for it. If if what is happening is is for real with Joe Nathan, and it's all because he fixed some mechanics. Yeah the guy we're about to talk about, also just discovered something mechanical.
0: That's right, because you wrote a post about this on Bless You Boys, because uh, didn't Brad Ausmus bring up a, uh, that they had been working with Justin Verlander, and they think they discovered a mechanical flaw, because he's been actually god-awful, over his, especially his last three starts. He has given up 19 runs over his last 18 and two-thirds innings over three starts, uh, elevating his era to an unthinkable 4.98 and the thing is though uh this it's, it's like it really seems like verlander looks fine for most of these starts but he falls apart in one inning and it's usually late in that start where all of a sudden he gets pounded for you know five six seven runs
2: and it's exactly what osma said mm-hmm. in the in the interview and i i Put a post up about it. It transcribed some of the quotes that he gave to uh, Dan Dickerson prior to the Tuesday uh, game. And it's exactly what he said. He said, it doesn't make sense to have a guy who's this good. Suddenly, suddenly start, you know, he's not missing bats himself. He's missing his location. This isn't right. There's something going on here. So he said that, uh, you know, Osmus, Jeff Jones, Berliner all sat down. They watched videos from 2011. Of course, that was his, you know, Cy Young year Mm -hmm. compared that to what they saw, uh, you know, this year, and said, you know what? We found we found some mechanical differences that we think are going to make the difference. And uh, trying to find the quote there, he said, "Yeah, he said you could clearly see a difference between yeah. the two, from 2011 and 2014." So to me, that that's hopeful. Yeah. If you if you can spot a uh, you know a difference that is clear and mm-hmm. say, okay, that's 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 a thing we can fix.
0: Yeah, and for the people that are saying, well. Uh yeah, let's send him to Toledo to, to fix him, or let's put him in the bullpen. One, okay, you put him in the bullpen. Who do you replace him with in the rotation? I uh, you mean, you're uh, you're going. To, that means you're going to Toledo to find somebody. You bring up, or you bring up Robbie Ray, who really hasn't been all that good since he went back down. Or, and for the people to say send him to the minor leagues, you cannot do that. He's been in the league more than five years. So what that means is you would have to put, he has the uh, ability to turn down an assignment and become a free agent, and the Tigers would still be on the hook for that contract. So that's not happening. You know, for the people who are like, you know, I want to punish him by sending him in Toledo, all you'd be doing is punishing the Tigers. I wish people would think a little bit before they start spewing this stuff, because they're yelling for things to do things for Verlander that either are not contractually possible or just knee-jerk over-the-top reactions to a player who I think we all agree will likely improve as the season goes on.
2: Right. I think the only thing you can do reasonably, because like, you can't send him to Toledo. It's just, yeah. You can't.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the only thing you could do is send him to the uh, disabled list, but you'd have yeah. to essentially invent an injury at that point. You can't just say, well...
0: And that could cause I- issues with the with the players' union and other teams. Yeah. Right,
2: and so I, 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 what I'm basically saying is, I know we've speculated on the site, and Rob has written articles saying, you know, that this might be a fatigue thing that his yeah. his stamina is not up to where it should be because of the surgery. He was rushed back to pitch opening day. He seems like he's tiring out. Yeah. Sooner, and the numbers certainly support that. The first three innings are okay, but then after that, he's just he's a train wreck. Um. So I want to balance that with with what we're hearing from Osmus and saying, "Hey, we found a mechanical difference too that we think yeah. is going to fix things." And you go, "Well, that's not going to fix the stamina issue, is it?" Yeah. It might. Yeah. It might be that whatever mechanical flaw he's introduced is actually wearing his body down faster. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So there may be hope that these two things kind of tie out and say if he can fix whatever this delivery thing is that's physical, that's mechanical, that might actually give him, hopefully, you know, a little extra stamina to go deeper into the games and pitch better in the Mm -hmm. fourth through sixth innings. Yeah.
0: And if that means Verlander, at least for a while, is a five-inning pitcher, then you deal with that. But having him be a good five-inning pitcher rather than a hittable six- or seven-inning pitcher is a big difference.
2: It's a huge difference. But that focuses the problem more. If he's good for five innings, if he's solid through five. Yeah. Then the problem simply becomes more focused and say, well, we now we need a little more uh, uh, long relief yeah. help. Yeah, you know, and then you're not spinning your wheels thinking send Verlander to the bullpen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> for, like, no, that's not the problem. Let's, yeah. let's stop focusing there.
0: Yeah. So uh, I, I love,
2: love the fact film. too that they went and watched the video. Yeah. I love that because so many fans that want to go, you know, he doesn't give a crap. Yeah. He made his money. He hit his payday. He doesn't care.
0: I hate now. I hate that when people say that. It's stupid. And here's I realize what kind of egos these guys have.
2: <laughs> Verlander especially. Yeah. And so you go, look, here's proof. They they're out there working on this. They're watching the videos together and and like Brad said, uh, uh once they watched the videos, he said it basically indicated that Verlander was excited enough that he's like I'm I'm I wouldn't be surprised if he's out there right now working on yeah. it because yeah. he was excited about it.
0: Yeah. And uh you know, and we do have to keep in mind though even though know, I think I think it's pretty obvious we're going to see the last of 2011-2012 Verlander, but I really do also think that that's unfair to Justin Verlander to expect him to be able to perform at that level every single year. Uh, no one can. It's impossible to be that good for that long, especially as a pitcher. And if he no, he doesn't need to be that Justin Verlander to be an excellent starting pitcher.
1: Yeah,
2: and I think I agree and disagree at the same time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Uh, I I definitely agree if you're saying you're not going to expect Cy Young years consistently year after year after year after year. That doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would disagree in the sense that I think he can repeat that 2011 year. I don't know if he can do it year after year after year, but I think between now and the end of his contract – he can get back there. He can get back to a, a ridiculously good year and take home another
0: Cy Young. Well, that's the thing. He's got – the. it's not just he had a plus fastball. He's got like four plus-plus pitches.
2: He's got that changeup. He's got that yeah. yellow hammer that Jim Joyce yeah. likes to talk about. I mean, if he can work around mm-hmm. the, the, the shift in
0: velocity yeah.
2: and, and work on the location, he's still going to be a lethal pitcher.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not ready to come close to condemning Justin Verlander washed up, but it but it does give the media and fans something to talk about. And again, right now everybody is just pissed off royally over the past month. Uh, I think a good week of baseball hook slide would change everybody's tune about pretty much everything involving this team. You no, know, even a winning record, I would you know, if they went four and three over the next seven games, I'd feel a lot better about this team right now. That would be huge.
2: A a three-game win streak would be a step in the right direction. If they can manage to go, I don't know, six and one over the next week, I think we'd all be thrilled in saying, okay, relax.
0: Yeah. Or at the very least, uh, don't drink quite so much.
2: (laughs) I don't know if we have to go there.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll find out a lot over the next uh, week and a half or so because the Tigers are leaving town. Actually, they start tonight with a nine-game in nine days road trip, Cleveland, Texas, and Houston. So, and what's funny now, Texas is the team that uh, I think they have about 25. I think they have more guys on the disabled list than they do on their 25-man roster at this point. And Houston's actually playing very good baseball right now. So, who knows? I really don't know what to expect from this coming road trip. But if the Tigers get the pitching that they are capable of, they'll be fine. And I really just don't see Verlander, Scherzer, sucking for a long stretch. I don't. See, it, it, it happens, but I don't see them being this bad for another four months. That's
2: not, not going to
0: happen. It's certainly not likely.
2: Yeah. Like you said, it, it, weird things happen, flukes happen. I guess it's possible. But if I'm a betting man, I'm not betting on them sucking for the next, you know, this entire road trip. And like you said, I know since the Tigers hit their slump, I've made that comparison that they're playing somewhere around 300 baseball while Houston is playing 600 ball.
0: Right.
1: That's not going to last either.
0: No, no just know. like uh, the uh, the Royals playing one thousand baseball didn't last. So,
1: no <laughs> figure, well, right? How yeah. Did that happen?
0: <laughs> but at the you know at the very least, uh, I think we're seeing signs anyway that maybe this team is starting. You know, kind of like a an ocean liner. It's it's not it's not a quick turnaround. This is kind of a gradual turn in how things are looking. But you know. Anibal Sanchez has been lights out. Joe Nathan all of a sudden looks like he might have figured things out. We actually have that. Hopefully the light bulb has gone above um, Justin Verlander's head, and he's going to start pitching well. I mean, come on. Can you really expect Max Scherzer to have another 50 pitch inning? That's, uh, no. That, no. That that was one of the more bizarre things I have ever seen as a it's Tigers fan. Especially coming off a complete game shutout. That's, that's what made it so even weirder.
2: That's I don't know, maybe he threw himself out in that game right? or maybe it's just weird baseball but come on. Yeah. If you're going to look to a recent performance and say, that's Max I'm going to take the game in Chicago where he went nine innings.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he and even though he had that 50 pitch inning, he, everybody thought he was doomed and was not going to get out of the like, third inning. He ended up going five innings, amazingly enough. So, regardless of all that, I'm not going to write this Tigers team off. I'm, I get pissed off at times, you know, and we all get ticked off of this team, and that kind of shows up sometimes in how we sound on Twitter and how we post on Bless You Boys. But this is still a, a good team. Maybe not a great team, but I think, I think this is a good team that should be in contention in September. As as for winning everything, well, I want to see more from the offense before I really think this team is back, because I'm yeah. obviously not convinced that JT, J.D. Martinez is going to be the ultimate solution in the outfield. I'm still very concerned about corner outfield production, as we've discussed about Tory Hunter and Rajai Davis. We don't know when Andy Dirks is coming back, and then if Andy Dirks comes back, if he's going to be the 2012 Andy Dirks or the 2013 Andy Dirks. So there's still a lot of question marks. But uh, I really, I think, as we said last week, I think more than anything else, the question marks are more on offense at this point than on, uh, than in the pitching staff.
2: Right, as they should, because the pitching staff is going to be fine. Yep. You just you know that's the case that they have to be fine. They got Sanchez, Scherzer, Verlander. It's it's going to be fine. Yep. I'm like you said, way more concerned about the perpetual hole in right field with Hunter. I think yep. they got to do something about that. Dirks is coming back, but like you said, you know you don't know what you're going to get with Dirks. Yep. I, I People think he's going to be the, again, the next, you know, second coming of the Messiah. <laughs> I just don't see that happening. No. So we've got to get some more consistent production.
0: Yeah, there's, there are definitely some things we'll be watching. And for that matter, I'm sure it's not as if Dave Dabrowski doesn't realize these things. And I would not be surprised if uh, he continues to uh, work phones, look for trades, because. You got to believe he's got to be looking for a bat at the deadline, and it's not going to be a trade of Ian Kinsler, no matter what uh, Lynn Henning says. But a bat then again, I to swing the bat. Yeah, exactly. I've been wrong before, but you know, I, I was the guy who was, who was absolutely convinced that it was impossible to trade Prince Fielder's contract. So, you're uh,
2: yeah, things that have. <laughs> Kinsler, so they can bring up who Perez. Yeah. I don't see that. Yeah. Happening. But like you said, the, 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 there's two things I'm very excited for. In the next you know week to four weeks or whatever it is. Number one is seeing Verlander's next outing. Very excited to see what that looks like. Number two, what they're going to do at the trade deadline.
0: Yep. Yeah, and actually, and the Tigers actually just posted their lineup for tonight. Uh, J.D. Martinez is still in the five hole. He's playing left field tonight, and Don Kelly is playing right. But I mean, uh, but he is at least at the very least he is batting seventh in the order, not second. So, at least that's that's, a, that's, a,
2: that's progress. <laughs> did, did they also bat J.D. Martinez like 6th, 7th, and
1: 8th? Or just a, No?
0: Yeah, no kidding. But, right, well, uh, actually, and think. what's also interesting is uh, Brian Holiday is back in the lineup for a second straight day. So. Hmm. Hmm. Who's the starting pitcher? It's Kluber tonight, right? Yeah, I believe Silver so, Rick is going for the Tigers. Hmm.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I actually don't get to watch the game tonight. Hmm? I've got friends coming over, and uh, then we're actually going to Whitecaps game tomorrow night. And I get to uh, meet up again with one of our Busty Boys uh, members. Um, so we're going to have a good time tomorrow night, but I'm going to miss the next two Tiger games, and I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything you'd like to add before we uh, wrap up the show?
2: Boy, I said it all, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, pretty
0: much. Well, why don't we address one thing, and that would okay. be game thread comments
2: because okay. uh
0: that's it's something that uh has been kind of controversial bless you boys and it really it really only applies to a small subset of the readership but there's i guess what's been what has happened in the in the comments really required us to uh well uh, be very uh a quick under-trigger figure when it came to using the band hammer because
1: yeah.
0: uh, things had gotten a little out of control uh, with the I, – I, I hate to say people were being banned for being gloom and doom. No, they were being banned because they were saying stupid inflammatory stuff, and there's a difference.
2: Yes, there, there's absolutely a difference, and that's why you know we put together that, that article and just yeah. kind of good etiquette and saying, look, there's, there's ways to express even the negative stuff without being a, a dick about it. Yeah trying to avoid those universal statements that don't leave any room for disagreement. You know, Avila sucks. Whoops. Now you're just going to get, you know, an argument. There's ways to say those things and still be conducive to discussion. So...
0: Exactly.
2: I think it was a good time, you know, for us to kind of say, before we go wielding the band hammer and destroying everybody, let's Let's see if we can kind of clean things up a little bit. And it's it's looking really, really good for the last
0: Yeah, time. and I think it's ultimately a difference that uh, the editorial staff has made a little more of an effort to at least occasionally pop into the game threads. So because I know I had gotten out of the habit. That's because I was, you know, so busy during the game with the recap. But that's changed because I'm now giving some of those recaps to Catherine. So I'm freed up a little bit more. But, yeah, it, it, it was getting a little out of control. It was turning a little too M Livish ish for, uh, for our taste. And... We try to, you know, people get upset with our, uh, we do tend to have a, a stern uh, policy when it comes to how things go in the comments. But that also keeps the, uh, the, you have to be very vigilant with your comment threads to keep them from spiraling into arguments about religion, arguments about politics, arguments about the uh, the merits of Alex Avila. And the, often those arguments will ultimately turn personal, and that's why we need to keep uh, – we want to keep this, like, focused on baseball and focused on smart baseball talk, and we weren't seeing that. And, you know, I hate to say we, we, we hold ourselves to a higher standard,
2: but I think we do. No, we, we do. We're one of the few places on the Internet where you can, you know, actually comment on the Tigers and not have to hear, you know, send Verlander to the bullpen. Or Dombrowski. Or Dombrowski, yes. right, and Jimmy Smokes and all the rest. Yeah. there There is that, that we do attract that particular clientele, if, if you will, maybe not the right word, but mm. that kind of community member that says, I want to talk about it. Not that we don't get frustrated. We do, and I said that, too. You do have to have a safe place to express the frustrations without it turning into, you know, send Verlander to Toledo. Um, but there is, I think, there's going to be some natural backlash in our community against yeah. that kind of negativity because exactly we just,
0: it's not what we want to do. Yeah, exactly. So uh, at that, we'll leave it at that, and uh, hopefully everybody will be much more. Because I know we've had some regulars who stop participating in game threads because of that kind of crap, and hopefully they will return. But again, it, it is really. I like have. Yeah,
2: I, I haven't. I, I want to say that too. I mean, we we did that to kind of take a couple people out of the mix, and I think yep. that was the right move. Yep. But since then, I've seen a couple comments of people saying the threads have been fun to be in again. Yep. So I think we'll get, kind of get that get that group back together, and yeah. that makes me very happy.
0: Yeah. yeah. For example, uh, the other day when things weren't looking too good, the. The games uh devolved into talking about, I think, crossword puzzles and what you right. had just watched. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, you're, you're, when you threw out what's your favorite sandwich, you're in the middle of a bad tellers game. You seem to get a lot of uh, traffic on Twitters. So. <laughs> Why like not? You know, we like yes. to talk. We yes, to talk. and 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 we're both in agreement. Rubens for the win. So. Ow.
2: Rubens. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you right now, for every year for Christmas, it's a family tradition. We have rubens and ruby Plots on Christmas Eve.
0: Ooh, wow. You guys are living high in the hog doing that. i am telling you what, man.
2: Yeah. Rubens are on the top of the list. I agree completely.
0: Yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to leave off the podcast until next week. So uh, where can the listeners find you online, Mr. Clug?
2: Just on Twitter. On the Twitters mm-hmm. and the... Uh, slide byb and occasionally now and then I'll be running the, the bless you boys Twitter account but I usually announce that fact beforehand right. so you can avoid me if you need to.
0: <laughs> as always, I'm at Big Al byb on that's my personal Twitter and I occasionally will be running the bless you boys Twitter as well. I, I you know it, it, it can be such a pain though. The, 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 talk, you know, we talk about the the vitriol we see in the game threads. Like it's, I think it's worse at times. On Twitter because we can't really moderate that in the same way and it can oh god I, I, I'm, it's funny when you, I got that message from you the other day saying I'm gonna go off
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's different on Twitter and yeah. honestly I I don't like to block people on Twitter but I do yeah we will and and I have done a couple a couple people and it's not because I don't like the uh, disagreement I don't mind dis- disagree with me all day long but if you're gonna keep hammering me day after day after day until I you know like Concede to your point of view, you're just obnoxious, Michigan, you know, Michigan at that point. I'm sorry. You know, that's how we moderate on Twitter. You have
0: yep. to
2: take a, take a break.
0: Yep, so, exactly. So, yeah, it, you know, I guess the well, best way be to end all this would just say, don't be a dick when you dealing with social media. Oh, God. Nice. But it's true. Yes. Don't be a dick. Yes. You know, be nice. It, you know, or a, uh, to steal a line from uh, one of my favorite bad movies, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. I was just going to say yeah. that. We will be nice until it's
2: time to not
0: be nice. That's right. First rule, be nice. Are we still
2: in the be nice part
0: of the program here? Yes, yes we are. <laughs> All right, let's wrap things up. So until this time next week, this is Al Beaton saying, Good afternoon and good luck. Along with Hookslide. Be nice. And we will continue to be nice until it's time not to be nice on our next Bless You Voice podcast.
2: Ha,
1: <laughs> That'll get him out of the old ballpark.
2: That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.